Today's a special day, guys. Y'all come up. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and come up. If you're speaking today, get up here. And uh, Christian, I'm going to hand you this already. No, you're good. We'll, we'll, and I'll introduce you in a second. Y'all have a seat, and I'm going to take about 30 minutes up top here and uh, set the Sam joke, and I'm not going to do that. Um, I might. <laughs> if y'all know me well enough, y'all know I might. But, hey, I'm so excited today for so many different reasons. Uh, reason number one is it's Sunday. I love Sunday. Sunday's my favorite day of the week. It's awesome. And tonight we have friends coming over. We're playing a game. Uh, and, and I'm not even going to tell you what it is because y'all judge me. All right, but it's going to be fun. And, uh, huh? It's a great nerd game. All right. If you think of a nerd game that starts with dungeons and ends in dragons, that's what we're playing tonight. I'm just going to be honest and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. Just wait till football season starts and uh, who has the mic up here. But anyway, uh, I'm so excited. Just today is exciting, but also over in our kids space right now, it's level up Sunday. What does that mean? That means if you were a first grader last week, you're a second grader this week. You've leveled up and We've expanded and added a whole new classroom to help so that we can teach your kids on their appropriate age level so that we can teach them the Bible. Isn't that exciting? Come on. <laughs> Woo, I love it. Sadie's doing a fantastic job. She's not even in there today. That's how good of a job she's doing. And she's able to in, be in here, watch her husband teach. But um, I am, I'm so excited for that. And I'm so proud of Sadie and all of the dream teamers that serve in there. If you are in here and you help serve in a way Kids, I'm going to ask you to stand just real quick. Come on. If you're in here, Miss Linda, I know Kyle, you're in there. Christiana's in there. Some. Come on, give them a hand, everybody. Here we go. All right, y'all have a seat. There's not a lot of you standing because they serve in there all the time. I would love for more people in this room to stand next time I ask that question. But I love that because let me show you a great sign of a healthy church. And I just want to tell you right now, this is not because of Stephanie or myself. When we try to grow the church, we shrink the church, all right? We started our first service with 120, and about a year later, had about 20 of us in there. So this is not because of us. This is all the Lord. But uh, a year ago in there, we had two volunteers and one classroom. That was it. How many volunteers do we have serving in kids now, Sadie? Every week we have like seven or eight. Okay. A ton, right? And then how many classrooms are in there now? Four. Come on. Give God a hand. Oh, come on. The kids ministry is rocking. There's like 30 kids in there every week. Uh, it's insane. And so thank you. If you serve, and man, I'll tell you, if you want to serve, it is so easy. We do the work for you. You just show up and make sure they don't burn the place down. You know what I'm saying? And we tell you what to say. It's, it, I promise you, we, get, we, we do all the legwork so that you can come and serve and love on these kids. And uh, so I'm super pumped about that. I'm also pumped because um, I am not preaching today, and I love that. And I just want to say on the front end, thank you for being an awesome church. And uh, we do at the movies every single year. It's a great, fun thing that we do. It's, we actually had one of our largest Sundays ever in the middle of summer because of at the movies. And that's just a really great thing. But also what that does is it helps uh, Pastor Stephanie and I take some time off from preaching, which is a, takes a big toll uh, mentally on us. And it's just nice to have a break. And this is our last week off of uh, preaching for a while. And so thank you for letting us have that so that we can be fresh when we come back and start teaching next week. And speaking of next week, <clears throat> before we get going here, 
Um, we're starting a new series, and I want you to try to make it a priority to be here, all right? And I, I'm going to ask you that because this is something that every single person in here deals with. And so we're, we're doing a series next week, uh, start next week, three weeks, um, and it's called Clickbait. Y'all know what clickbait is? I talked about this a little bit last week. Y'all know what clickbait is? Come on, not, if you're over 40, you should be nodding your head because you share these on the internet all the time. All right, uh, I'm joking. Miss Lynn is like, I don't share nothing. I'm joking. Uh, but you you see clickbait all over the internet. What is clickbait? There are articles on the internet that are designed for you just to click on them. And so they say things like, Hendersonville Church does the unthinkable. Click to see what happens next. And you're like, oh my gosh, what did they do? And you click on it, right? And next thing you know, someone's hacked your Facebook because of this and you're posting messages, asking for money and doing all this crazy stuff because you chose to, to, to take the clickbait. And so what's the clickbait thing that we all deal with as Christians, as just people in general in our culture? And I'll tell you what it is. It is the, it, it, uh, there's a book called The Bait of Satan that's about this. And it's about offense. Man, we get offended so easily. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, man, we get offended over everything. And But what does the Bible have to say about it? Well, what do you do when you've actually had a major offense happen to you? You've been hurt by somebody, abused by somebody. Like, what, what is our response? Should we, do we even have the right to be offended about certain things? And so we're going to talk about that for three weeks. I think it's so important for us to learn what the Bible teaches us about our attitude towards others. And I just want to, I'll give you a little spoiler alert. All right, this is the intro of the message next week. Uh, the, the word offense in the original language of the Bible in the New Testament is actually a hunt, an old hunting term. And it refers to the part of a trap that you put the bait on to attract something to catch them. That's the word for offense in the Bible. And the devil's been using offense as a bait to trap us for too long. And so we're going to talk about that starting next week. Are y'all excited about that? I'm excited about that. Anyway, that's what we're here for today. All right, who are these lovely people behind us? They're probably so nervous right now that I'm not. Who knows what I'm going to say about you, Kevin? You'll just have to wait and see. I love this. Um, we, we try to do this once a year where we talk about all of our core values as a church. And so this is Core Values Sunday is what we called this today. And uh, I'm so excited. We're, we're actually one core value short, all right? So our core values at our church, and the, the, how I would describe our core values is, if you were to describe the personality of our church to someone that's never been here before, what words would you use to describe our church? And so I'll tell you what you can use are these four things right here. We are full of faith. That's the first thing. We're full of faith. Uh, we're committed to community. We love people. We're committed to the idea of community. Uh, we're outrageously generous as a church. And then the last one is we're genuinely fun. And the reason why we're not talking about that one is because we did a whole month of movies at our church. All right. So <laughs> y'all saw it. We don't have to teach on it right now. So um, anyway, so we're, I asked each of these people up here to teach on one of the core values. And so I am so excited and uh, I love these people so much. They mean so much to us. The first one we got is uh, Christiana. I'm going to have her come up here in a second. If y'all don't know Christiana, um, you've seen her before, I'm sure. She's, her and Kyle are the tallest people at this church and uh, they're awesome. But beyond that, I remember meeting Christiana <clears throat> at the gym excuse me, at a hit class at Crunch right down the road. And uh, she walked in and she just looked more athletic than me, which is not hard. <laughs> but I saw her and I'm like, she's about to throw it down in here. I can, but she was pregnant. You were pregnant, like very pregnant. Yeah, you were halfway to popping. 
you know? And so, uh, and she was wearing a Duke zip-up jacket thing. And I like Duke basketball. I love Duke basketball my whole life. And so I was like, there's no way she didn't, like, play something for Duke. She looks like an athlete. She's got some swag on. And so I start, we started a conversation with her, Stephanie and I. And come to find out, she played volleyball at Duke. And her husband played football at Duke. And I was like, well, my word, this is awesome. Y'all got to come to our church. So I guess this is great. And so they actually came the first Sunday of being here. And since then, they are so much more to us than just people who went to my favorite college basketball team, school. Uh, they're actually great friends. And I love Kyle and Christiana because uh, they just have an amazing spirit about them. If you've ever been around them, you're typically smiling. Uh, they're so laid back. They're amazing, amazing leaders, and I just have so much respect for them. So I want y'all to just give Christiana a big hand as she comes up and she shares for today. Come on. so much, Clint. Thank you for that, truly. That means the world. And uh, we have a rule in our house. If you say one nice thing, you have to say one bad thing so we can humble ourselves. So think about that. I'll do that when you're done. You think better do it. a good job, though. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. Hi, everyone. How are we? <laughs> In case we haven't met yet, my name is Christiana, and I have a message today to encourage your faith. But before we get to the faith part, I actually have a story to share with you. It is a story about a tree. And if that sounds weird, you're just going to have to trust me for like 10 minutes. I promise it's worth it. Okay, so let me set the scene for this story. It is January of this year, January of 2023, and I have that seven-month-old baby that Clint was talking about, my sweet, precious little Everett, and he will not sleep and has not slept for the first seven months of his life. You see, it might be a surprise to you, but my little baby Everett was actually a really big baby, and every hour and a half around the clock, he was hungry. And I want you guys to think about that for just a second. Every hour and a half... 24-7 for seven months. This little boy was up and he was hungry. And to say that I was exhausted and at my wit's end, keeping this little human alive would just be the understatement of the year. Now, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, but I think that we can all recall back to a time when we were that level of exhausted. This is the kind of exhausted that won't be solved with a good nap or a good night's sleep. No. This is that level of exhaustion that is in your bones. It is in your spirit. It's the kind of exhaustion where you almost like have to prop your eyes open to stay awake. Or dare I say it, I got there. I was like, I need to binder clip my eyelids to the top of my face. And even then I might be standing up here and I'm going to fall asleep. Has anybody, anybody ever felt like that before? I feel like every introvert is like, yeah. Yeah, we get it. So, yeah, so there I was. I was up for the third or the fourth time that night, seriously considering the binder clip method, holding my precious little baby who's not sleeping when a random thought pops into my head. What is the oldest tree in the world? <laughs> Y'all, delirium will do that to you. So considering the fact that my options were the binder clip method or a semi-interesting Google search, I decided to go the Google search route. So... With little Everett still awake, tucked up in my arms, I started Googling, what is the oldest tree in the world? And y'all, there is some hot online debate about this topic. It is like, there's so much scholarly shade that gets thrown at different researchers and different methods. And while there is some debate, the general consensus is that a bristlecone pine tree, nicknamed Methuselah, is actually the oldest known tree in the world at 4,800 years old. 
Now, if you're a Bible nerd, you might be like, I know Methuselah. We hear about him in Genesis. He's the grandfather of Noah. And the Bible tells us he was 969 years old when he died. And listen, Methuselah from the Bible is really cool and all, but I told y'all we were talking about a tree. So I want to get back to the tree and put 4,800 years into context for you. 4,800 years is old. That is before the Great Pyramids, before the Great Wall, before Christianity, and before Jesus's physical body itself. This tree, this 4,800, about 4,800-year-old tree, has seen civilizations rise and fall. It's seen religions come and go. It has seen a lot. It is old. And that alone is super cool, right? Like, that's really cool, and it's really neat to learn about. But inexplicably, I found myself getting drawn into this tree for other reasons. You see, it's one thing to grow in the best of conditions. It's one thing to live to be thousands of year old, years old with a nice sunshine, a warm breeze, maybe some fertile soil, but the places where you find the bristlecone pine tree are pretty awful. You'll find them high at elevation at about 11,000 feet in the mountains of California and Nevada and Utah, and life up there is rough. I am talking, there's no shades from the elements. There's no other trees growing to provide shelter from wind or rain. The winds are whipping up there constantly at super high speeds. Massive amounts of snow are common, and it often drops well below freezing. And if all of that wasn't enough, the soil the literal soil where this tree grows is limestone rock. Imagine that. You'll find these bristlecone pine trees often growing where no other vegetation can. And in that moment, sitting in the dark with my little baby, still not sleeping, in my arms, I couldn't help but feel like I was at elevation with those trees. I had Everett, who needed me constantly, a two-and-a-half-year-old who was getting any attention that I could scrounge up and, and give to him. I had a house that was just absolutely a mess. I had a full-time job I was trying to work, text messages I wasn't responding to, a spouse that I really wanted to spend time with, and I just couldn't. I had friends I was ignoring, groups I couldn't get to, you name it. My list was so long, and anything that would get me out of that exhausted state was so far on my list, I couldn't even see it. Has anybody ever felt like that? I think, I think we can all, again, regardless of whether you have kids or not, we can all relate to that time of testing when it feels like our soil is dry, it feels like the environment around us is just pulling us in all different directions, and it feels like there is no possible way to sustain everything that we have on our plate. I know I felt like that. And here's the thing. The bristlecone pine tree actually feels that way too. In fact, I think we should. Yep, there's that picture of the bristlecone pine tree. Do you see how it's all warped and twisted and there's different branches coming out from different places? That's because there are seasons that the bristlecone pine tree knows that it can't hold on to all of its branches and still live. It knows inherently that there are seasons when it has to drop a branch. It has to let it die. It has to let it go so that the tree itself can live on. That's amazing. So as the winds whip, as the weather, as the weather and the temperature drops, it knows when it's time to drop a branch. Now listen, you won't hear me say that this is the most picturesque or traditional or perfect of trees, but I would argue that's what makes it so special. It's what shows us it's okay when things don't go as planned. It's what shows us it's okay when our life doesn't look like we thought it should. 
It shows us that it's okay when we have to rest, when we can't sustain it all, when we can't do it all, when we can't be it all. It shows us that it's okay. In fact, I think this is one of the coolest things. We actually don't know how old Methuselah really is. I said Methuselah is about 4,800 years old. That's because there are years that are so hard for these trees that they don't register a growth ring. You know how we measure trees by their rings? They don't register, register a ring. So I want you to imagine you have nothing to show for a full year of your life except for the strength and the fortitude that it took for you to continue on when everything around you said that you couldn't and shouldn't. It's alive, it lives, but how? That's the crazy question, right? The oldest and most ancient of bristlecone pine trees, the ones like Methuselah with stories and wisdom to share with us, have a narrow thread of living tissue that connects a handful of their branches to their roots underneath. Think about that a narrow, so small, we can't even see it, thread that is a living tissue that connects the tree to its life. And that thread, that tiny, narrow little thread, that is the heartbeat of the bristlecone pine. It's what tells it when it's time to drop a limb and when it can sustain. It's what tells it it's its time to grow and it's its time to rest. It's what tells the tree that it is, it's time to grow that year, grow that ring, and when it's just not its season. 4,800 years, about, in the harshest of environments, the rockiest of soils, with a narrow strip keeping it alive. It's so easy, and I am so guilty of this, to be connected to things that don't sustain us. A job, a partner, a salary, a promotion, a source of entertainment, a substance. In fact, Jesus even tells us, he says, narrow is the gate. There's that word. Narrow is the gate. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the, sorry, for broad is the way. Sorry, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many, many who go through it. I told y'all that we would get to the point of this message, the faith part, and here we are. At this point in our story, my little guy Everett, he finally fell asleep, but I was more awake than ever. I wasn't so delirious that I was audibly hearing the voice of God, but his voice was louder to me than ever. Rely on me, trust in me, put your faith in me, bring your doubts, your burdens, your fears, your anxieties, your insecurities, your questions, your problems to me, and I will be the one that sustains you. And listen, I don't know if you have been praying for a miracle or if you're living in one right now. And I'll be honest, I think that the beauty of life is that it can be both. You can simultaneously be holding a miracle and asking yourself, how is this all going to work out? How is this all going to pan out? And I don't have the answer to that question, but I know who does. And his name is Jesus. This week... I encourage you, outside of any dedicated Bible time or any prayer time, to just find a time to connect with the one who made you and the one who has the answers to all those questions. 
listen, studying the word is great. Praying is great, but slow. So is a slow daily walk with God when you're doing the dishes, when you find a quiet moment in your car, when you are going to bed at night or when you're up in the middle of the night, when you are just absolutely overjoyed or when you're looking at a bill that you don't know how to pay. Connect with Jesus and just share with him whatever it is on your heart. I want to leave you with a couple last things. The first one is the ending quote to the article that I read. The Great Basin Bristlecone Pine, however, exists on its own, rooted in stone, twisting its way through thousands of years, thriving in the impossible. In Matthew 7, Jesus says about the same thing. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall down because it had been founded on the rock. Thanks, everybody. Great. Great job. Awesome. I love that. Uh, to be just honest, that's how Stephanie and I, in a lot of ways, feel the same way about church. Like, we, we're living in a miracle, and we're praying for the next one right now with, uh, when are we going to move locations and have our own space? And, like, I, I feel that tension of, like, being grateful, but also, like, all right, God, I'm still, how's this going to work? You know, and, and I totally get that. So that was so good. Give her one more hand. That was awesome. Uh, speaking of living in a miracle, Noah making his first appearance today. Come on, everybody. Don't clap too loud. He's probably sleeping back there. But uh, we prayed for that baby for so long and their family, and they are here, baby. I, I was actually looking up. I, this is a little word for you all today. So this is from the Lord. Uh, the name Noah means to rest. And I feel like God, he ain't resting probably. <laughs> He's laughing. But you guys can rest knowing that God heard, he answered, and you are living in a miracle. I love that. And uh, so anyways, um, I love that. Thank you, Christiana. That was so good. All right, next we have uh, Ryan Chavez coming up. Chavez, Chavez. I, they don't even know how to pronounce their last name. It's a little inside joke. I'm like, how do you say that? He's like, Chavez. And Jess was like, no, it's Chavez. And I'm like, what's his name? I didn't, you know, I, I you know, I, I, and then I'm like, I thought it was Chavez, you know? So anyway, it's call him whatever you want. Uh, his first name's Ryan, but, uh, I'm so grateful for Ryan and Jess. They take on so much and, uh, they, they do our student ministry every Wednesday night at their house a lot of times, but then, uh, they also do our young adults group that happens, which is vibrant, thriving. It's, it's doing amazing. And and I love having you guys a part of our church. He's going to tell you guys, I don't want to steal his thunder, how we met, which was really awesome. And it was just a God thing that it kind of all happened. And so uh, I love them so much. I'm, I'm so grateful that God's brought them here all the way from Seattle, Washington. My word. I mean, y'all y'all made it to the promised land. How's it feel? <laughs> I feel good. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful for them and just what they mean to our church and to Stephanie and I. And I want y'all to give Ryan a big hand as he helps and comes to share us today. Come on, baby. Right, thank you. It's Chavez, by the way. Just... <laughs> well, I am so excited uh, to talk to you guys today. Um, as, as Pastor Clint was saying, me and my wife, we run the, the student ministry here. We also run the young adults ministry. So obviously we spend a lot of time with people. We spend a lot of time in community. So you can guess what they asked me to talk about. That's right, tithing, tithing. <laughs> Let me tell you why that was a good joke. Some people laughed, some people sweat, but everybody felt something. <laughs> 
But uh, in all seriousness, I'm just so excited to talk about community. That's a huge passion of mine. I, uh, I feel like part of community is getting to know each other. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about me and my beautiful wife, Jessica. Uh, we got married in May of 2021. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, a month before we had gotten married, I had come out here for a, a worship conference in Spring Hill, Thompson Station area. Uh, and I just felt this stirring from the Lord. I had felt it for the past couple of years, just coming out here a couple of times, but really that, that this is where we were going to end up. Jessica is one of nine kids, um, huge family. Everyone's in Washington. My parents aren't in Washington anymore. Um, but that was a, that was a big ask. And so we went to our honeymoon, we went to Cancun and then we ended up coming here for two days. And I remember we went to some friend's house for dinner over there and uh, leaving and Jessica said, we're going to move here, aren't we? And uh, just that stirring and that confirmation that that wasn't something I was pushing on Jessica, um, but that the Lord was just working in us. And I remember we had such a great community back home. I was a worship leader for the last five years. Um, Jessica grew up in the same church pretty much her whole life. And then she met a stud worship leader and swapped. Um, and... Uh, so it was, it was a big ask. We were leaving everything that we knew. Three weeks before we moved, our kitchen flooded. Um, luckily, her dad's a contractor. Um, and we fit what we could fit in the back of a, a Chevy Silverado. And that's what we took. And I remember we got out here, and uh, Jessica was going back to Washington for her sister's uh, baby shower about a month after we got here. And I remember her leaving. I was like, I'm alone. Like... I don't know anyone yet. We had tried a couple churches and they were great, but uh, it wasn't the right fit for us. And so I remember shortly after she got back or right before she left, um, she went to a coffee shop to work and ended up running into Pastor Clint. And uh, he was working on Planning Center and they got to talking and we ended up here. And this church has been such an anchor for us, such an anchor in community for us. Um, in good seasons and bad seasons, you know, in the, the last year, both of my parents had been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and this church has been an anchor in that season. It's all of our best friends go to Oasis. We invest a lot of time with the young adults. We love hanging out with them. Carson and Kelsey and Tyler and, and Harrison and Shelby and Josh and Michaela. Like those are people who are at our house pretty much every week. And it is so encouraging um, with that, I want to take a look at one of my favorite scriptures. If we could put it up, it's Luke 10, 27. And since we're, uh, practicing community, we're going to read this together. So the man answered, you must love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. I love this scripture. If we all lived this out, this wouldn't even be a conversation. What is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? It's not just the people who live right next to us. It's the community that we're in. Whoever is around you that day is your neighbor. I was thinking about this the other day when we uh, were, me and Jessica were very blessed to get tickets to the Ed Sheeran concert from Tyler. Um, and as I was driving down there, it was obviously crazy. And not once did I have the thought, man, if I drove like that person, I'd be there by now. It was if everyone drove like me, I would be there by now. But that's not loving. That's not, that's not neighborly love. 
And uh, I was thinking about that. And then I got to thinking, I'm like, Jesus didn't need the apostles to do his miracles. He brought them to show us how community works. Community is so important. We see it so many times in the Bible. And I just think that it's something that we need to push into. It's something that we need to invest in. I hear all the time when groups come around, I'm really busy right now. I'm tired. I've got other things going on. Work is crazy. But I would encourage you push into community. Find a group. Find a group. There's an amazing men's group. There's an amazing women's group. There's a young adults group. There's a student ministry. Um, Pastor Clint did a movie group. The Tays. I knew you were there. I don't know why. Uh, the Tays did a, a pull group. There's so many amazing groups to be a part of in this community. I even, I had this dream. I don't have the capacity to lead it right now, but if someone wants to step up, I would absolutely go. If we did a group where a bunch of people decided to smoke a bunch of different meats, and then we all got together once a month, I said meats, um, and, and we all sit down and have a meal together. Cecil, I still remember your brisket. I'm just saying, I'm lobbing you. I'm lobbing you a group idea right now. Start a group where people come play yard games in your yard. Set up badminton, set up cornhole. Find a way to be in community. If you don't feel like there's a group here that, that fits quite right with you guys, it's probably a sign that it's time to start a group. And if you do that, Matt, if you could raise your hand, go talk to him or go talk to Allison. And that would be exactly who will point you in the right direction. And we can find a way to support you with that group. Right. Also feel like I have a word for someone in this room that people like you, people want to know you, people want to hear your story and that you're bringing value to that group. So don't be afraid to go to a group. Don't be afraid to show who you really are. And, and for older people, uh, I, I'm 28, so I, I'm putting myself in the younger category. We would love to sit down and learn from you. We would love to be in community with you. We would love to hear your story. We would love to learn from you. We would love to invest in you guys however we can. Don't let age be a barrier. Don't let um, being busy be a barrier. Step into community. No matter how busy a season is, you can be in community. And community doesn't have to be, you know, something expensive. A lot of the times people think community is expensive. Sometimes community looks like grocery shopping together. F coming over and talking while folding clothes. We bought a house in December and community looked like Harrison coming and helping me rip up carpet. Like, it doesn't have to look like anything crazy. And we're so appreciative for that. I just think that there's so many opportunities to do life together. It doesn't have to look like it did when you were 16 and you didn't have all these responsibilities. It can look however it needs to look. Just to invite somebody to do something that you're already doing. Step into it. Dive into it. And uh, as I was writing this... This is how I want to end, end my message today. There was a quote that came to mind from a great local pastor. I think a lot of you know it. If you're not in a group, get in the group. Thank you, guys. Amen. Good-looking man said that, I think. I love that. Hey, great job, man. And they embody what community is supposed to look like. And I love, we're very strategic. We're committed to community. 
That means like we're going to make it happen. Like I'm committed to it. I'm committed to my marriage with Stephanie. That means we're going to make time to go on a date. You know, we're going to make time to do like we're committed to each other. So we're committed to community. We're going to be available. Right. We're going to make ourselves. We're going to create an environment where people can find community. We're committed to the idea. And I just want to say, Harrison, he owes you one big dog. That's all. I I mean, (laughs) you help him rip up carpet. You are you got a phone call ready. All right. You just just one good ask, you know, ready. So anyway, uh, thank you for doing that. All right. We're going to wrap it up here with y'all know him as Brother Kev um, in the back, right? He's always got the bucket that your tithe goes in and your connect card goes in and all that. And um, I could spend an hour up here telling you everything I love about the Tay family. And uh, they mean so much to Stephanie and I personally. Um, they're some of our very best friends. And uh, it's funny when we've, they came to one of our interest parties. So they've been there since day one of like having church. Um, but after an interest party, they came over to our house, kids were playing outside and I made this chicken, grilled some chicken and it was the spiciest chicken I think in the world. I'm like, I just scared them off, Steph. They're never going to come back. I, I was, I was so hot. That's all I remember it being like, I just destroyed their palates. Um, and they left and I was like, they're not coming back. You know, I I did it. I, I messed it up. And sure enough, week before church starts, they're like, Hey, we're in, what can we do to help? And that has been their attitude the whole time, not only for this church, but for Stephanie and I, Lord, get the demons out of the lights today. It's all right. It's fine. You know, whatever. I need to, we need to fix this. All right. So if y'all know how to do lights, please, someone. Uh, but uh, they, they're not only that, but I, like there are people um, that prophesied over Stephanie and I before we left uh, Florida to move back here to plant our church. And they said, three different people said the same thing that don't know each other. It was, the Lord was speaking through these people. And uh, they said, uh, we see an army of people behind you when you're doing this. And uh, Kevin and Sadie have been that army a a lot of times for us. And um, they mean so much to us. Uh, Our kids are best friends. Um, They, we trust them with like our lives, our children's lives. We're actually going to spend the night there tomorrow don't let them die, please. Uh, but don't bother me with them either while we're gone. Uh, no, I'm joking. But they, they mean so much to us. They take on, they have the heart of like, okay, if it needs to be done, I'm going to step up and do it. And they own things uh, so well. They're such great leaders. Our, our, our children's ministry is only where it is because of Sadie um, leading the way back there and seeing some vision and making it happen. Kevin serves in 19 different areas. Uh, he's going to talk about a lot of them today as he teaches. And uh, But they embody this idea of being outrageously generous. And notice, it's not only about finances. It's about your time and your attitude and other resources that you have. And these people embody that with their whole lives. And that's why I've asked them to come and give this word to you today. So I want y'all to give Kevin a hand as he comes up here to share the word with you today. Come on. Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I realized two things as I was watching y'all preach. One, I'm last and I'm shortest, went tallest to shortest here, and I'm the only one with paper, so I must be old. I really feel like I'm getting old now, so uh, no, but thank you, and um, really appreciate the opportunity to get to, to share. Um, 
And, you know, one of the things that uh, I love about this church is outrageous generosity. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why we came to this church. That's one of the reasons why we connected with Oasis is, you know, the first really event, the first thing that we came to outside the interest party was give a meal. Um, and we got to serve uh, alongside some other great people um, and really get to start to know other people at this church. Um, and it was in the height of COVID. So, you know, we're all wearing masks. No one wants to go anywhere. No one wants to get near other people. Um, and so, you know, it, it showed the heart of this church um, that, you know, Stephanie, Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Clint both embody of being outrageously generous. Um, and so... I just love that I get to talk about this. And like Pastor Clint said, it's way more than just about finances and, and money. Um, you know, Sadie and I get to sh uh, serve on the financial board. So we get to see a lot of the generosity that comes in uh, from everyone in this church. And so it, it is amazing what we've been able to do. But it, it, it starts uh, and goes so much further than just your, your finances. Um, and so I'm going to share a little bit about what outrageous generosity means uh, to us as a church, uh, but also what it can mean for you individually. And then more importantly, why, it, why are we outrageously generous? Why is that a part of our DNA here? Um, so first, though, I, wa I want to ask a question. How many of you know who Mr. Beast is? Yeah, yeah. Some some people are like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> um, so if you don't know who Mr. Beast is, when the kids are leaving later, just go ask one of them; they'll tell you. Uh, but he's a YouTube creator, so he makes videos of these crazy stunts and challenges, uh, just all kinds of stuff that you know they they get bigger and bigger every time um, he releases a new video. So here's just a couple examples. So he traded his car at a red light with a stranger. Just, you know, here's my keys, give me your keys, go on your way. Like, just trade your car. Uh, he gave a plane to someone, uh, a jet plane, for the pers last person touching a plane. So you get a couple people together, they're all touching the plane, last person to take their hand off of it gets a plane. They, they go home with a plane. Uh, he built a real-life Willy Wonka factory with chocolate going through it and everything, the, the whole chocolate river. Um, he put one billion Christmas lights on a house just because, just, you know, just because I can. Um, and so these are all crazy, right? Like, it's you, you think, like, why would you do this? And, you know, one other thing that I was thinking about is, uh, you know, who likes Tom Cruise? He's a little crazy, but, you know, his movies are great. Top Gun, Mission Impossible, those stunts get bigger and bigger every time, more death-defying, uh, you know, just crazy things that are going on. And that that's what I think of when I think of outrageous, right? It, it boggles your mind. You're, you think, how can someone do that? How can they be doing that? And I think that's the perfect word to describe the generosity at Oasis, right? It's outrageous. It's, um, you know, it's not just a little bit of generosity. It's not generosity when we feel like it or when it's convenient for us. It's outrageous, right? And, you know, again, we're not just talking about finances, not just talking about money. Uh, you know, it, and it makes you stop and say, you know, how are they doing this? How, how is this church doing this? Why are they doing this? And so it reminds me of the early church and how selfless they were. Um, and so, you know, Pastor Clint taught us a, a 
couple months ago now um, about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit uh, coming down to the people there. So just a little background before I read the scripture. Um, but, you know, the Holy Spirit had been sent. Peter was preaching. 3,000 people had been saved. Uh, miracles are happening. Community is happening. Um, and uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 45 through 47 says this. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So if that doesn't describe outrageous generosity, I, I mean, I don't know what does, right? I mean, you're literally selling your things and sharing everything with those that you're in community with. And, and they didn't hold on to anything with closed fists. They're not, well, I, I just can't let go of that. No, they were open-handed, right? And they, uh, they were willing to give up their own things, their own possessions uh, for those that they were with. And so they didn't distinguish between new believers and old believers. They didn't, they didn't base it on how someone looked or how someone spoke, their education. They didn't share only with the Tennessee fans and not the Alabama fans. You know, they didn't share with only the people that believe the same political beliefs as them. They shared with anyone as they had need. And so that level of outrageousness, I think that's a word. If not, I just made it up. But uh, that level of outrageousness doesn't happen overnight. Uh, but let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you um, and what God may be asking you to be open-handed with. Um, so are you close-fisted with your time where you can't come and help someone? You know, are you, is God asking you to serve somewhere? Um, and maybe you keep saying no, just because you don't feel like you're ready. You don't know. Uh, you don't know if you want to do it. Or, you know, maybe God's asking you to, to loan some, something that you own to someone and you're afraid that it won't make it back to you. You know, maybe I'll, I'll let someone borrow my lawnmower, but they'll break it, you know? Um, just, it, you want to, want to be open-handed with that. And, and, you know, are you, uh, maybe it is in your finances. So maybe you don't quite trust God yet that if you buy lunch for that coworker, he's going to provide for you, or maybe you're not ready to tithe yet. Um, are you outrageously generous with your spouse or your family, your kids, you know, with your time, with your emotions, willing to give them, give them what they need at the cost of maybe what you want. Right. And so I'm not saying you don't have boundaries, right? It's important to still have boundaries, but I'm not saying you don't have boundaries or that you're unwise with the resources that God's provided for you. Uh, but there's a, a reason why we do this, right? Um, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Uh, but the, the most important thing is the why behind the reason why we're outrageously generous. All right, so uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's reminding the church in Corinth um, about uh, their commitment to the church in Jerusalem. Um, and I'm going to give a little setup here before I get into the, the verse, because it's a little bit long. Um, but he, the church in Corinth um, stirred up generosity in other churches. So who here remembers what a jogathon is? Yeah, a few people. I remember being like doing jogathons, not really 
you know, participating in the giving part of jagathons. Um, but I'd go to my parents, and I know my parents would take the the sheets, the pledge sheets, to work, and you'd ask, you know, their friends and their coworkers to give money, and you'd see how many laps you could run. So you'd say, I'll give, you know, I'll give Kevin 25 cents a lap for every lap he runs, and you hope. You know, you're not in too good shape. You, you want to raise a little bit, but not too much. Uh, but then, you know, if you're not the first person that fills out that pledge sheet, you can see what other people have done. So, you go, oh, I want to, I'm going to one-up them. I can give 10 cents more a lap, or I can give 20 cents more a lap. And so in this passage, um, Paul is saying, you know, well, hey, church in Corinth, you committed to this. Look at what you're doing. You're s- stirring up generosity in others. They, they one-up them. Um, but... Paul saying, hey, I'm sending this letter with some uh, of our believers uh, to remind you, hey, don't forget about the pledge that you made, because uh, I'm coming and I'm going to collect that and take that back to the church in Jerusalem. All right, so hang with me here. This is a little bit of a long passage, um, but it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 5 through 8. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And so there's so much in that passage, right? There's, there's a lot going on. There's a lot, talk, a lot of talk about generosity, what that means, how to do it. But I really want to focus on this last sentence. If you want to throw that verse back up there. Then you always have pl- everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And so this is why outrageous generosity is a core value. Um, it's, it's not about, um, it's not about patting ourselves on the back You know, God says, you'll have more than you need, but it's not to hoard it for ourselves. It's not to make ourselves feel better about what we do. It's about getting to share this back with others. And we get to continually be outrageously generous. And so it goes on to say in verses 11 through 13, uh, and this is long, but I'll, I'll... I'll land the plane here in a second. So, uh, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And that word always, uh, you know, not just when things are good, not when it's when not when you have a little extra and not when you feel like it always. Uh, you will always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will be and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God and your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So this is why we do events like give a meal and feed families for a month and not just a day. This is why we gave Grace Place a year's worth of supplies and not just a month. This is why we support Abu and his mission work overseas in the most unreached and dangerous place in the world. And this is why we set up and tear down every week. This is why we volunteer in Oasis Kids. It's not to make the name of Oasis Church known. It's not to make our own name known 
or to pat ourselves on the back. And it's not because it's fun, although we have a lot of fun while we do a lot of these things. Um, but it's really because we want to bring glory to God's name and so that the people on the receiving end of our outrageous generosity come to know him and know his name. And so he is the one that's supplying their physical needs, their financial needs, their spiritual needs, most importantly. And there's no bigger ex example of outrageous generosity than what God has done for us, sending Jesus when we didn't believe, we didn't deserve it, but God sent Jesus for us. And so I'll end with this. If you haven't taken that step to accept the generosity of our God, uh, to accept Jesus, come talk to one of us. Come talk to any one of us up here, anyone on the, the team. We'd be more than happy to talk to you about what that means, what that means to, to get your next step uh, in faith and in generosity. But then if you, uh, if you have accepted Jesus, I want to challenge you with one thing. So Pastor Clint uh, shared earlier this year uh, that the generosity of the people at Oasis determines the pace and the scale at which we can accomplish the goals that God has set for us. Um, and so again, that doesn't just mean money. That means volunteering, your time, uh, you know, the skills that you have. It doesn't have to be on a Sunday morning. Uh, there's so many things that, that you can do. Um, so consider this as you go about your upcoming week. Where is God calling you to take that first step or that next step of outrageous generosity? And what impact will your generosity have on those you come in contact with? Thanks. That's so good. Thank you, Kev. Come on, give him a hand. Good job, buddy. Awesome. Did y'all love today? Wasn't that awesome? Oh my, I'm so proud of all of you guys. It's tough, ain't it? Getting up here. Listen, it's like the ocean. Sunday comes every seven days. You know, like it's like, I got to say something on Sunday, you know. So I'm glad y'all can share my pain. I'm joking. It's not pain. I love it. I really do. I really love it. And uh, I've grown to love it a lot more. I really have a lot of fun. But great job, guys. So good. So much of the heart of this house was poured out on y'all today. And I love that it didn't have to come from me or Stephanie, but it came from our people. And uh, man, I just, I love that. And I just want to do something really quickly. All right. If you serve in any way, uh, worship, uh, coffee, you greet, or you've done giving me, I want you to just stand up. If you've served in any way in our church, I want you to stand up. Come on. Come on now. Yes, there we go. All right, come on, give them a hand, everybody. I love it.